Uh, tonight, for just a little while, hope don't not take too long, um, would like to, to speak in your hearing tonight from the thought, Everyday Jesus. Everyday Jesus. Uh, I grew up in the country. We lived what we might refer to as the simple life. Um, we only had three channels, and uh, one channel was snowy. Does anybody remember what snow looked like? A few folks remember. Three channels, and one was snowy. Uh, the closest city of any measure was probably at least two hours away, um, and we had obviously some smaller towns between here and there. Uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. I, I grew up in a, a blue-collar family, uh, blue-collar heritage. Uh, my dad was a welder. My grandfather was a, he had a, a junkyard. Uh, my grandfather before that, my great-grandfather was a lumberjack. And so uh, that's just how I grew up. Uh, we were simple people, and, uh, but we served a great God. We weren't deep by any stretch of the imagination, and uh, still to this day, I would uh, consider myself to not be a very deep person. Um, recently, I was uh, privy to a conversation that was going on. Uh, it wasn't over, I wasn't uh, eavesdropping. I was part of the, loosely, I say loosely, part of the conversation where a couple of individuals were just talking about these uh, grand philosophies in the scripture and, and uh, the you know, philosophical exegesis of this and that and how this nation and that nation and all these things and just way, way, way beyond what uh, I could process and uh, had a real hard time uh, following that. And uh, uh, when we were in Bible college, we heard a, a quote that said uh, in one of the Bibles or one of the books that we had to read uh, that said, no one ever came to church to learn about the Hittites. And I was having a Hittite moment, and uh, uh, I soon tuned out and just couldn't follow along. Eventually, the conversation came back around, and, and I could process what was going on. Uh, but, but up to that point, I really, I really had a hard time uh, keeping up with, with all those deep things. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's all well and good and needful, and we thank God for those ones that uh, enjoy those sorts of things. But, but for me personally, the things that have always ministered to me the most have been the simple truths uh, in the Word of God, the simple truths that feed my soul, the simple things, you know, that are not always apparent, they're not always obvious to the untrained eye, but it's amazing the things that you can find if you're looking in the right place and if you're looking in the right ways, little things, simple ways that God is working on our behalf every single day, every single day. Uh, you're probably not going to see those things in the news if you go home tonight and flip on the evening news. Likely not going to hear that. You're not going to see those, those good things, those wonderful things that God is doing on our behalf. Uh, you're probably not going to see it on your social media feed. But if you're looking in the right spot, you can find and you can see the good things that God is doing all around us. Matthew said this, he said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. So if you're looking in the right place, if you're asking the right questions, and if you seek it out, the Bible promises us that it shall be opened unto us. Every day, every day, God is working on our behalf. Uh, in the book of Kings, we find the story of, of the uh, lady by the name, well, not even the name. We don't even know her name. She's referred to as the widow of Zarephath. We don't know much about her. We don't even know her name. We only know four things about her. 
We know the town that she's from, which was Zarephath. We know that she's a mother. Uh, we know that her husband has died. She's a widow. And we know that she is on the verge of starvation. We're introduced to her in a very, very dire situation. Her story goes like this in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that is Elijah, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Now, let's be honest. Had this played out today, had this played out today, we would have taken great offense to somebody telling us to go fetch some water. We would have been very, very offended, and we likely would have told them to go buzz off and uh, to get it yourself. It was, uh, you know, not the kind of thing that you commonly would, would see uh, having been responded to um, in a positive manner in the day and age in which we live. But instead, we find this lady in humble submission to this request. We really have no indication from the scripture that she knew who Elijah was for all intents and purposes. As far as I can tell, uh, she was a perfect stranger. They were perfect strangers. She had no idea. And, uh, and as if the request for water wasn't, wasn't bad enough, he also tells her to, to go ahead and make me something to eat too. Make me a little sandwich. That'd be all right if you make me a little sandwich. And, uh, and, and he also wants to be, he wants to be fed. And uh, this lady is gathering sticks. She knows that in her pantry, all there are is just the most minimal basic, most minimal basic provisions left available to her. A handful of meal and some oil. It's not the kind of stuff that we would call, we have nothing to eat, right? You have six or seven shelves in the pantry that are a third full and there's nothing to eat. This was a different kind of nothing to eat. There literally was nothing left to eat. The Bible said, um, and she said, As the Lord God giveth, I have not a cake. I have but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise and a little container. Behold, I'm gathering these two sticks. That's all I got. I got these two sticks that I may go in, get this ready for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She knew the end was here. She knew that everything had, had gone uh, poorly. She was left a widow. This was the last event of her life. This uh, slow, painful death, this dire situation that she had faced with. Uh, and it would appear from her statement that uh, she called uh, it the Lord thy God, referring to Elijah, that she, she perhaps didn't even know uh, who Jehovah was. She was not even a believer. And a reasonable person could conclude that Elijah had asked too much of this lady. But yet in this situation, because Elijah knew the Lord, uh, he reassures her with these words. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and make after, and after make for me and for, my, for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth." 
No mother is going to, no mother is going to uh, overlook their child in favor of a stranger, at least not in my experience. This was an unreasonable request that Elijah had made, and yet we find a lady obeying what the prophet has asked her to do, which is incredible. It goes on to say, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, the Bible says, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. Now, I will call to your attention tonight, the Bible does not say anything about the barrel overflowing. The Bible does not say anything about, you know, magically 12 more barrels appearing, it doesn't say anything about the oil overflowing. It doesn't say anything about there being extra containers in the pantry of oil to continue going. But there was just enough. There was an everyday portion made available to them that would support them, that would keep them through a simple provision, a, a simple miracle, if, if, if one could say that. A simple miracle is kind of like jumbo shrimp, right? It's kind of an oxymoron. But here it is, just a little bit of a simple miracle, just an everyday little bit that God had prepared for them, an everyday portion that that was going to see them through. It wasn't fancy, it wasn't extravagant, but it was enough. It was enough to see them through. It didn't run dry, and it not only fed her and her son, but it also took care of the prophet for the time he was there. That simple obedience gave way uh, to a simple miracle, but that simple miracle ultimately became a big one if we continue reading on. Eventually, the, uh, something happens to the son. We discover that he uh, becomes sick. He ultimately dies. The prophet comes in to minister to her uh, in this hour of need that she had, and she, of course, asks him to, to intervene in this situation. And um, Elijah does something a little strange. He prepares the boy up in his room, and then the Bible says that he uh, stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, and God moved on his behalf and healed and healed her son. It's interesting, though, that the last uh, verse in this story that's told, the Bible says, And the woman said to Elijah, she had already seen the provision that had happened through the meal, but it was not until the Lord healed her son that she said, now by this I know thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is, in, is truth. It's so interesting that the widow did not acknowledge that Elijah was the man of God until after the big miracle had came. She had obeyed, but she did not give thanks, and she did not acknowledge what God had done for her up to that point. Miraculous provision had been in her four walls for days and days and days ahead of that, and God was as much in those everyday provisions as he was in the big miracle. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can overlook the everyday miracles that happen day in and day out, waiting for the big miracle to come when God has been moving all along. <coughs> when God has been moving all along. These little miracles, they're often overlooked they're often overlooked in favor of big miracles when God uh, is at work all around us. But the truth is, God is working at all times. In 1 Kings 18, we read the story, the, the continuation of the story. Elijah, uh, we're, we're brought into attention to Elijah still throughout this period of time. Uh, we find the story 
where he is, is on the mount facing the prophets of Baal. Uh, ultimately, they could not uh, call down fire from heaven. And uh, uh, God uh, moves uh, when it's Elijah's turn to pray and consumes the, uh, consumes the wood that's there. Uh, he commands the prophets of Baal to be killed. Elijah does. That goes down. Uh, they announce a three-year drought, and the heavens open up, and God moves uh, to, to open the heavens after this, this dire situation. Uh, we learn that Jezebel uh, is not too pleased with all these things that is going on and uh, is out to take Elijah's life. And so he flees, and we're, we're brought into familiarity uh, with a, a portion of Scripture that we all probably have heard before. The Bible says that, uh, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice, a still, small voice spoke to Elijah. It would have been easy for Elijah to be conditioned by all the big things that could happen and, and get himself focused on only the big things going down. But you have to be in a, in a position where you can appreciate the small things that are happening every day, the small things that God is doing for you every single day. I'm thankful tonight for the big miracles I'm thankful for those things. In fact, just tonight, uh, before I came in, there was a, a story that was posted on uh, Instagram, a uh, mission story. Uh, the missionary uh, shared a story of being in a service. I'm not sure what part of the world he was in. But in the front row, in the front row of a service he was part of, there was a young girl that was sitting there. And one leg was a foot shorter, one foot measurement shorter than the other leg. The foot that was on the short leg uh, was lifeless, didn't really have uh, any life uh, to it at all. Uh, she requested prayer, and they prayed over her. And as they began to pray over her, the uh, minister, uh, she was getting excited for what God was doing. The minister, uh, in faith, pulled the crutches away from her that was holding her up. She subsequently jumped, and as she came down to the ground, the other leg extended down to the ground, and the Lord performed an incredible miracle. That was witnessed by this missionary. And we give God thanks for those things. That's wonderful. Lord, send them on down. Send them on down. Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that I cannot contain. But just don't allow me to get so focused on big miracles that I miss what God is doing every day. Little miracles over and over and over again. Day in and day out, God has on display for our encouragement and for our benefit. And it would be wrong for us to presume that God is just hanging out in heaven until the next big miracle comes around. But he is, in fact, moving on our behalf day in and day out. Every day there is a work that he is doing on our behalf. Even when I can't see what he's doing, even when I can't perceive what's going on, the Lord is at work on my behalf. The Lord is at work on my behalf. In Luke 15, Jesus introduces us to probably one of his uh, most famous parables. It is referred to as the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. 
sure we probably, if, if we haven't heard it at church, we may have heard it elsewhere because it's just one of those uh, things that has become uh, ubiquitous among us, uh, referring to the prodigal son, much like uh, David and Goliath has been. Uh, Luke 15 records the story, and it goes like this. And he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Give me a portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Uh, every day, every day, he had been, uh, his life had been filled with blessings. Miracles were all around him every day if he would have just looked at them. Uh, he was under the cover, covering of his father. He was blessed. Every need was provided for. He had no worries to speak of. But sometimes everyday blessings, everyday blessings will become inadequate for us. Much like they did for him, they became inadequate. All the provision that was before him every day became inadequate. And he began to focus his attentions beyond the everyday provision all around him in favor of that which he was missing out on. In favor of that which he was missing out on. The Bible goes on to say, And when he had spent all there, he arose, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began, he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, but no man offered him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. And uh, it is unfortunate that sometimes it takes a hardship in our life in order for us to realize just how blessed we are. Uh, and it caused us to turn back to the father's house. Even in our dark situations, though it may be difficult and it won't come naturally, I believe that if we all will open our eyes and look and see what God is doing, then we can see God at work in our life. Uh, the story goes on. He goes back to his father's house. He is well received, and, uh, and everything is restored uh, to him as far as his relationship with his father is concerned. And this is an image today of everyday Jesus, if I could put it that way. Everyday Jesus. Everyday Jesus. Always faithful always watching over, always ready to take us back. The psalmist said it this way, Blessed be the Lord who hath daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Hallelujah. They're not always big. They're not always flashy. They aren't even always very glamorous or very meaningful to anyone else. But if you will look around and if you will pay attention, I mean, you can see God at work all over your life. All over your life, you can see God at work. Hallelujah. We will see God at work. Amen. We are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. And we serve a great God who takes care of every one of our needs. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If the musicians could come, I'm wrapping up. One of my, one of my favorite responsibilities among the body of Christ is emceeing services. I don't know why. I just like it. I enjoy doing it. Um, I look for spiritual applications um, or, or what I've been calling everyday Jesus um, every day, everywhere. Sometimes I'm looking 
uh, and I'm more successful than I am on other days, but uh, I'm always trying to see uh, where God is at work in my life. Because if I'm real honest, I lend a little bit pessimistic. I'm really not the most you know, upbeat guy, a little bit, um, you know, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'll let her fill you in. Um, but it's amazing what you can find if you, if you see. Or it's amazing what you can find when you're looking for it. It's amazing how a chirping bird outside of your window in the morning can become a decades-long word of encouragement for the church. The time of singing of birds has come from our dear bishop. Simple. So simple. So simple. Or it can be if he's watching. I, I, my office, I've been working at home now, as most of us have, for uh, a better part of uh, two years. We're going a while, a year and a half for sure. We're rolling in on two years here in the spring. Um, I see little birds fly by. And my mind is called to remembrance that if God is watching over those little birds, they don't have a soul. There's nothing beyond this life for them. But if he's watching over them, how much more is he watching over me? How much more is he taking care of me? How much more is he concerned for what I'm going through? Stand with me tonight. Um, this message, this message was encouraged by my youngest son. We had gone over to a friend's house here in the last little bit, uh, last weekend. And uh, Des was not there yet, and uh, I was trying to keep him happy um, while we were there waiting. And uh, he was in his high chair, and uh, I had given him some snacks to eat. And uh, that was fine. And then he, they were dry and he needed a little something to wash them down with. So I went and got his cup of milk. And uh, I was going to hold it for him so that he could take a drink. And he didn't want to have any part of that. So he took it from me. He sat it down on the high chair. He shut the lid. He clapped for himself two times. He opened the lid. He clapped for himself two more times. And then took a drink. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, sometimes you have got to encourage yourself. Things are not always going to go the way that you want them to go. Things are not always going to be the way you want them to be. But every day, every day I'm here. Every day I'm there with you. Every day I can count on my Lord Jesus Christ. Every day, Jesus, he is there. Every day he is there. There are many others that stick out in my mind uh, over the course of time uh, that we've been uh, here in Cincinnati. Uh, I remember another time, it was the week after B.B. King died. You say, what does that have to do with God? What does that have to do with church? Well, let me tell you. I said uh, something to the effect of, I didn't really know much about the blues, Brother Williams, until I had been married a couple years. And then I understood what B.B. was singing about. And, uh, and I said, if I said, if I said the king of pop, you would immediately know that I was talking about Michael Jackson. Or if I said the king of rock and roll, you would know that I'm talking about Elvis. Or if I said 
uh, queen, you might say dairy. Or if I said king again, you might say burger. Or smoothie for that matter. The point is, we associate uncommon things with common, everyday, measly, measly things. But the truth of it is, only one is worthy of the name king. And he's my king. He's King Jesus. Hallelujah. And he's watching over me. He's taking care of me. Hallelujah. Everything's going to be okay because he's by my side. He's by my side. Hallelujah. Brother Wilkerson, could you hand me that book right there? One more time, my, uh, my family, we homeschool, they had gone on a field trip. They went to a place called the Clover Nook Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. It's located here in Cincinnati. And uh, they were shown the process of translating things into Braille. And uh, very time consuming. I, I tried to recall the figures that were associated with the time it took to, to um, translate documents. Um, but, but when they left, they had some samples uh, of stuff that had, that had been translated. And then when they were proofreading it, they found some errors. And so, generally speaking, Oprah Magazine does not look like this. And, uh, you know, if it didn't have Oprah Magazine on there, I really would have no idea what it was. Because the truth of the matter is, the value of this document right here is based on you touching it. It's based on touch. All the value of this right here is based on touch. I'm nothing. I wasn't worth nothing. I was not worth what Jesus did for me. But my value is found in the way that he touched me. In the way that he ministered to me, Brother Elliot, he didn't need to do it. I was not worthy of it. But he came and he did it anyway. If I'd have been the rankest, rottenest sinner, and I would have been the only one, he would have done it anyway. He would have done it anyway. And it's in these simple things. Every day, open your eyes and look around and see what God is doing. Because I can tell you for sure he's at work. I can tell you for sure that he's moving in your life. I can tell you for sure that he has not left you and he has not forsaken you. I can tell you for sure that he has got the same power today as he did back then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we will look for him in the simple things, maybe you won't have the miracle gold, the miracle amount that you want in your bank account, but guess what? You've got enough. You have enough. And God is going to make sure that you continue to have enough. Yeah, you might not have the biggest house on the best street. But guess what? You've got a roof over your head. You've got a roof over your head. You're not going to sleep outside tonight. Because God is watching over every little thing that goes our way. Can we love him tonight? Can we praise him? It doesn't have to be big flowery words. It doesn't have to be deep 
just needs to be sincere. Can some sincere people tonight offer a thanksgiving up to their God? Can some folks recognize tonight that they have enough and that that is what Jesus has in store for us for this season. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. God is going to work everything out. Hallelujah. Every day, every day, Jesus loads us with benefits. Every day. Let's sing. Let's sing. Hallelujah. From a grateful heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.